Let's test heavy strategy, where the unanswered questions are preferable to unquestioned answers. The role of AIOps has been a buzzword for a while now, but recently the publicly availability of generative AI and LLMs like ChatGPT and, and all the others that are rapidly emerging has really raised the awareness of consumer AI. In today's sponsored show, we're talking to Vitria about AI ops and how you can add it to your IT strategy. Just remember that AI has actually been in enterprise IT strategy for a couple of years now in the form of AI ops. And a lot of people have been poo-pooing it and sort of saying it's not really here. And there's been a certain amount of well, skepticism, I suppose. And all of a sudden, I think it's becoming much more serious. Joining us today is Chris Manier. He is the president of Via AI Ops for Vitria. Now let's get straight into it. I want to set the basis here of where you're coming from so that we can understand your position in this discussion and then we can talk about how it fits into the strategy of enterprise IT. Uh, as you mentioned, AI Ops is uh, becoming a bit more in the forefront right now, being lifted up by the chat GPT conversations and so on, which is mm. fantastic for us. We'll take it. But if we want to contextualize it and, and capture the hearts and minds here a little bit. We are trying to prevent us as the consumer from calling up our service provider and telling them that things are broken. That's the role that we're trying to play. We don't want the consumers, the customers, the, the users of the services, the applications to yeah. be the canaries in the coal mine. This is this idea that you know what's happening before the user notices or before even perhaps the, the IT team notices. There's plenty of telemetry. There's plenty of instrumentation out there that we should know. We should know down to the consumer, down to the user, what is happening, what's impacting them. Are we going to get it right 100% of the time? No, but we can certainly do a lot better than the industry is doing today. Sorry, Just to ahead. give us a little bit of clarity here, Chris, talk to me about what you mean by the consumer. Consumers of what types of services, sure. I guess? We'll go with one that we all use every day, our mobile phones, right? right. Our mobile okay. phones, our internet service. Uh, we're having an issue doing whatever. It, at home, we're having an issue streaming uh, content. We're having an issue uh, sending out um, uh, pics or whatever it might be. We're having mobile data issues. Those are all services that we're consuming. It also might be trying to process a transaction at a point of sale, right? It could be something like that. It doesn't have to be in the telecommunication space. But this is what I'm talking about. We're end users of these services. There's something happening. We don't want to be the canaries that's telling the, the provider. And just to push on this a little bit further, not only would a, you know, the service desk of a mobile phone operator be interested in your technology, but potentially also at a large IT organization that is delivering its services in the form of services, literally right. delivering IT services. Sure. I would want to know if I have 90,000 desktops I'm responsible for, I would want to know quickly which ones are likely to break before the person who's using them discovers. Especially if we see a lot of this work from home um, that, that mm -hmm. we've seen, where if you cannot access the VPN, simple service provided. If I can't access the VPN, I cannot do my job. Hmm. I may have hundreds or thousands of employees who are effectively sitting there without work to do. They have to call into the service desk, which bubbles itself up to someone who's finally solving that problem. We need to get ahead of that. Yeah. That needs to be resolved before that customer is the canary. So from a strategic perspective, you're basically saying to the CTO of a large enterprise, hey, if you're offering your IT solutions as services, this is a way to get ahead of the problems that your employees and potentially customers, depending on what services you're offering, are going to experience. 
and to get ahead of it without just simply scaling your service desk. We cannot scale the service desk fast enough to get ahead of this. We need to use technology to do so. So this is not a meantime to innocence product. This is this is more than just saying I can see something's wrong and therefore I can say it's not me, right? I call that meantime to innocence. It's not the network, <laughs> it's not the server, it's not the carrier, it's not the right? Which is troubleshooting. You know, the, what you want is very rapid meantime to innocence because your service consists of dozens of elements and you've got to bring it together. It's actually actively or proactively saying I'm going to raise a ticket. You see something's wrong and raise a ticket. Is that, am I right in that understanding? The meantime to innocence, I, I like that. And it's, mm. it's interesting because sometimes understanding what it isn't truly, like you said, is part of troubleshooting to understand what it is. And mm. I think that actually speaks to the interplay of delivering services across domains today. So if you think about large enterprises and large IT organizations, they have the complexity of having some sort of of an application that's connecting a client and a host that's connecting over a complex network of some sort that's running on virtual infrastructure that's underpinned by physical infrastructure all of those things are coming together to create a scale and complexity that you know humans just can't keep up with understanding what it isn't which of the domains like you said hey the server infrastructure is fine the network's passing the bits like all of that is good we think about it as opening a smart ticket. And we actually yeah. talk about via smart tickets. We're trying to intercept all of this noise before it hits the ticketing system because the ticketing system drives work. And we're trying to reduce that work that's Well, it driven. drives toil a lot of the time, not so much work. <laughs> toil is work that has no value. Sitting there loading in a ticket to a ticketing system is just work for the sake of work. It's scut work. It's not valuable work. Having that's a right. ticket solving a user problem or accelerating business performance, that's valuable work. I'm understanding this, and Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm understanding this that, you know, old way, user jhana has a problem, go figure it out. New way, user jhana is about to experience a problem, and here are the five steps you need to take to ins ensure that she doesn't. Is that about accurate? That's right. And the five steps to take, once trust is built up, we're going to take those steps for you as well. Now, we're not an orchestrator. So to be clear there, I mean, you nailed it on, on our value prop there. Hmm. We're not an orchestrator, but we certainly want to provide those next best actions. And usually what happens is a person is in the middle at, at first. Here's one of five things you can take or here is the recommended action. Press the big red button. But as you build up trust over time and you see more of these plays over time, then you let the automation really take place. And we're prescribing that and sending it directly, say, to an orchestrator, to some automation framework. With the human potentially still in the loop as an oversight. So, oh, I see what's happening. It what you're saying reminds me actually of a leadership technique that's called the I intend to. So the idea is the leader, instead of the leader doing everything and micromanaging everyone on the team, the team members come up and say, Captain, I intend to do X, Y, Z because here's the problem. And so here, the smart ticket says, I intend to do X, Y, Z. And eventually they just do it and you can watch it happen. Yeah. You build up trust with that second in command, if you will, and, and, and it just happens. On the, the prescription issue, you know, we can sort of learn those over time. We can get into a little bit of how we do that. That intend strategy, I think, is a good way to, to have an analogy for that, yes. So I just want to question some credibility gaps here because if I'm listening to this discussion as somebody who hasn't thought heavily about AI ops or thought about how this might work, one of the things that you stated earlier on in the, is that you're consuming telemetry. Yeah. Is that real? Like when you say consuming telemetry, are you saying there's enough telemetry in the systems that we have today to be able to drive this? I don't need to go and enable telemetries or buy new products or 
get special wing wongs to trap information that customize for your platform. You're just using existing telemetry. We're not an agent, so we do not deploy agents out there or anything. There's there's quite a bit of investment that's already been made around here in, in, in element management systems and other things like that. Mm. Um, I haven't seen the wing wong market take off as much as I thought it might, <laughs> yeah. uh, but you know we'll see. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's still got some time to mature, that's but it. there's quite a bit of instrumentation out there already that we're seeing from devices themselves. So VIA can pick up uh, data directly from devices, GNMI, MBT, traps, syslogs, whatever it might be, or we can leverage investments that enterprises have already made to at least consolidate some of that information. So yeah, if you've made right. an investment that you think you're already pulling off some great counters and you want to just feed us that data, fantastic. We can take that or we can capture it directly from so the, the device. Just to pin that down, because I'm looking at your website as we're talking, you're saying you'll leverage Thousand Eyes or NetScout, or if yes. you're using something like Datadog for, or AppDynamics for performance, if you're using some sort of telemetry, uh, some sort of streaming telemetry solution based around RabbitMQ or Amazon Kinesis, you've got integrations that will go and pull that telemetry or engage with those via APIs or whatever, even SNMP, I notice. That's right. Um, you'll actually be able to start to look at those and go, hang on, I can see something coming up because of that. So you literally sit above the existing infrastructure, you're bringing it all together or unifying it? Is that one way of thinking about it? It is, and I love that word unifying, and we mm. talk about normalizing as well. Because okay. if you think about it, as much as we love RFCs, not, <laughs> not, not all are created equally and not all are implemented equally as well. Even taking syslogs from various different uh, vendors and vendor OSs that may treat those differently, or traps that have been, MIBs have been modified, or like you said, Thousand Eyes versus uh, Datadog or versus a Moogsoft or something like that. Yeah. We have a, a flexible ingestion framework, which actually will normalize those into two different types of data. One is an event. So that is a discrete event. It happens yeah. in, in isolation, if you will. We deduplicate them, noise reduce them, and all that great stuff that you would expect. And the second is detecting anomalies in time series. We don't care if they're 16-bit counters, 32-bit counters, yeah. if they're continuous counters, gauges, whatever. We have a flexible schema that normalizes them, an abstraction layer that allows you to easily view them in a UI just like you would in the individual tools themselves. So we can, the whole purpose of it, that's a means to an end. That's not the product. Hmm. The product is the correlation. The product is that unification of it. It's understanding the interplay across that telemetry. So we've got this telemetry, we've got all of this lateral connectivity to existing tools, Sounds like most of the common tools that you've got an enterprise would have today, you're automatically yeah. plugging into. Just a credibility question there then, you've been doing this for a while. You're not a startup that came out two years ago. You wouldn't have this many integrations if that was true. The company was founded over 25 years ago, always having that kind of model-driven computing framework underneath there. And that has evolved to business process management, business process automation, which gave us a ton of experience in workflow automation, complex event processing, operational yep. intelligence. So the company has, has been evolving over time. We got really darn good at that whole connector space and that workflow space. And underlying this entire app to the AI ops application is our VIA platform. And that's a low code development environment that allows us to really quickly bring in and normalize. So there is a low code uh, function in there. So I'm always going to have right. to do some edit adaptation or some modification or some tuning or customization whatever. honestly yeah. customization i don't like the word the customization because that implies that you're a princess or a 
your oh, unique snowflake. Are. Every every single enterprise is Jonah, a special. Jonah, you can and be the princess. Hey, I'll be the look, snowflake. Look, since the day I was born, my mother has told me I'm special and I believe her. So yeah, <laughs> and you all, are special. Chris. We're all special. <laughs> One of the things that uh, I noted here in the prep was you're talking in the, that you're planning to transform operations. So I want to flip back to the business strategy part, exactly. move away from the technology a little bit. You're sort of claiming that you're going to transform operations. I want to dig into that because transforming yeah. operations implies cost, speed, flexibility, yeah. you know, there's so many yeah. different. So let's talk about that for a little bit. What do you think customers mainly get out of this transformation that you're talking about? Yes, yes. I love that word. So I am going to kill a unicorn. And what I mean by that is I cannot stand the concept of a single pane of glass. I know in this space, in operations in general, in looking at the operations pipeline, in looking at AI ops even, the single pane of glass has been this mythical unicorn that we've been chasing and going after. And, and according to my you know briefings that I do with analysts, people are still calling in and saying, what's the best vendor for my single pane of glass and so on. In my opinion, you're chasing the wrong problem there. And that's the transformation piece. If you're not trying to transform your operations and you're just slowly evolving, sure. Hmm. Let's get this single pane of glass. Let's get a better dashboard. What I think is that's solving old world problems. You cannot, you cannot keep up with the the speed of complexity that's, that's entering into the enterprise IT space by just having a bigger dashboard or something with more red dots in it. Okay, yeah, so I call we're it talking, a single pane yeah, of glass is like a little pane of glass in a stained glass window. <laughs> and you don't need a bigger stained glass window. You, you need don't less need a bigger stained glass window. You need less panes yeah. of glass. Right? The most important thing is that each individual responsible for a function can see what matters to them and not what matters to the other guy. So the security person can see everything that's impacting security, but not anything else. And the service manager may want a more holistic view up higher, and the network manager may want a more granular view down lower and the cloud person may want a different view and you need the ability to give them their different views is really sure you, i mean to. you're going to need that right the, the, we like to think of our, ourselves as more of the first pane of glass this is where things have, have come together like you said we sit on top of that infrastructure where that unifying the, really the correlation the analytics and correlation piece in the operations flow and for that we hope that more often than not, what we're giving you is that fully triaged incident uh, to the point of, you know, the cloud folks want to have their view and the security folks want to have their view. Absolutely. You're going to need that for some lower level triage and even some operational reporting and things. But when you're locked into that view, you don't understand the interplay of, yes, I have something that's happening from the security side, uh, but it's actually impacting my cloud infrastructure in this way. Hmm. Um, we don't want multiple teams solving the same problem. And so the answer was, oh, <sighs> if I go and create a dashboard with all of the views on it, then someone's going to visually line these things up. It doesn't no, work. People, it that's, doesn't just, that's just work. pushing the complexity upwards. Yeah. That's, that's just going to make so many people unhappy in the, in the ITIL silos. Every silo yeah. replicates oh, what every other silo does, right? That's, yeah. that's a given, right? Yeah, yeah but you, right. you like making ITIL people unhappy, Greg. I admit it. <laughs> they earned it. I want to join that team. <laughs> yeah. uh, so. so I guess what we're saying is that one of the things is that we see with operations is complexity. We've got hybrid clouds. You've got off-prem clouds. You've got on-prem clouds. You've probably got some heritage inside your data center as well as new cloud or an urging cloud on your on-prem. You've got applications in containers, in VMs. You may even have still some on native bare metal. But what you're saying to me is that you can sort of 
work across all of those because you've had these years of development to be able to put them into your AI ops strategy and you can start to see what's happening. I guess the other side here is probably accuracy. Are you talking about more accurate operations because there's ways of gauging accuracy, which is I'm getting it right the first time, but I'm also diagnosing it right the first time. Do I get, you know, is that the sort of things that we're talking about? I certainly think your accuracy of diagnosis is going to, is going to go up. That, mm. Absolutely. Look, you're eventually, you, you know, you eventually get it right in your postmortem. You, you get through your postmortem and it's two days later and you dig back through everything and you go, ah, here it is. This yeah. is what the real problem was. You know, we're trying to get to that point uh, it, it, before the postmortem. We're trying yeah. to get to that point before, again, you have to call up and say, I can't use my whatever service uh, that my uh, enterprise is driving me. So mm-hmm. we have accuracy um, uh, increases for sure, but it's just a lot of unnecessary work that's mm. being removed. And when you remove a lot of that unnecessary work, let me just, just be very blunt on this. Mm. Maybe we don't get it right the first time, but we got to the wrong answer really darn quickly. Well, that right? works though. Meantime to innocence. And we eliminate some other things, right? So you do get to say, oh, okay, it's not that, but I've sorted out all of this noise. It allows me to get to that right answer more quickly. Give me an itch that I want to scratch here. How do I do that? I've got VR, AI ops sitting over the top here. Your platform's ingesting data from a range of different sources. You notice something's going wrong. How does that work? What's the workflow look like if I'm, I'm sitting there? Yeah. So the workflow, I mean, if you, if we go across the, the, let's, let's kind of mimic the data pipeline a little bit for the workflow, because those two things go hand in hand. So the first thing that we're doing is we're bringing in this, these fault and and telemetry, the fault and time series data from across these various different domains. The first thing that we do is we enrich that data and we enrich it in three different ways. We enrich it with inventory information, make model, what data centers it's sitting in and so on and so forth. We enrich it with topology information and that topology is going to be learned relationships. We we can talk a little bit about Mm -hmm. that as well, or the as designed, right? And and maybe you have that in the CMDB or an orchestrator or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then the service relationships. And those are generally the harder to get ones, to be honest. So what service is this supporting and so on? We enrich with those three components that allows us to correlate. Okay. So we noise reduce, we detect anomalies in time series. We're really, really good at anomaly detection. We're not just doing your normal threshold crossing nonsense and things. We're correlating these pieces together from that correlated group. If you will, we declare an incident. And this is where what we do out of the box. So we talked about customizations and other things, but out of the box, I'll give an analogy. If I can think about a classification engine as something you feed in a thousand images It's going to put 300 and some out of them in one group, 300 and some in another, and 300 and some in another. The naive system, so we're naive out of the box when we deploy Mm. in a new enterprise. We're going to say, I don't know, we have class A, class B, class C. What you are going to have to do to start to get value out of VIA, you're going to have to label that and go, oh, that's a group of dogs, that's a group of cats, that's a group of goats. Fantastic. So now we've named those. We do really, really well in saying, I've just correlated a bunch. Let's take a network example of ISIS adjacency changes and BGP adjacency changes and link flaps and link failures. I've pulled those all into one thing. Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't know, something's happening and all of these things are related. You got to give it a name. Oh, I just Rally isolated problems. a device from the network, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. 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 Now the next thing is you got to tell me, do you like cats? Do you like yeah. dogs? So what happens when the next thing that comes in and it's a dog picture? throw it out to email it to a friend. So that's your business policy. You have to apply your business policy to it 
to really start to get the, the, the value. It might just be open a ticket or whatever it is. We can learn those things. If mm -hmm. you give us enough examples to say, hey, when you saw something like this, a fiber cut, here's what you did. When you saw a thousand endpoints blocked from getting a DHCP address or an IP from a DHCP server, or something, this is what you did. Right. We can learn it or you can bootstrap it and teach it. But that's kind of how the process goes. Chris, I want to I wanna back you up a little bit because I'm listening to all of this and the big picture that I'm putting together in my head is, that you, you know, that unifying concept of you come in, you take advantage of whatever instrumentation is, and telemetry is already there and learn from whatever processes are already there. And then you can sort of capture where you are and vastly enhance it. So it's kind of a do more with less value prop. Yep. My question though is what happens when the necessary information is missing? So earlier you talked about, well, yep. the hard thing is the service dependencies. And what if I don't have that in my environment? How do you help me figure out that I'm missing this and build it in? It's a great question. That is the, the most struggle. And, and I would love to pretend that the M and ML is magic, but unfortunately it's not, right? <laughs> and so we, we a lot of times can't create things from, right. the, from thin air that don't exist. No, no in, you can't. But yeah. can you at least tell me like, hey, I've got a limited amount of time in the day my performance would be so much better if I were able to solve this problem. And then, okay, as a human, I will take that problem and solve it as opposed to doing something else, which you're now doing for me. You, you got it. Me. We get to free up those resources to fill in some of those things that we all know we need, some better metadata, if you will. And so what we do a good job is actually tying dollars and cents to it. What we do is create that internal business case that says, if you did better keeping your CMDB up to date, mm. or if you do better in understanding that uh, this VM is supporting this application or something, here's what you're going to get. Because what VIA output right now are three different incidents. And we've come to learn those three incidents are tied together from the same service. It would have been one incident if we hmm. go and do this hard work that we haven't done. So we're able right. to really put meat behind the value in doing that process. Now, that's not me that programming helps. it in via your low-code interface. That sounds more like it's a companion process. Well, there's two, two different ways to do it. It can yeah. be updating your own systems. We're just getting better metadata from the systems with which we're already integrated. Yeah. Or if we always go with the play of, I don't have a CMDB or I don't yeah. have some of these yeah. systems. Great then here is the interface within VIA where you can just put it in directly. Okay. So it is AI as a, I call it Centaur. I'm very happy when AI isn't doing everything for me, that there's a human in the loop somewhere. Absolutely. Artificial intelligence plus human intelligence is going to win every time. There's, mm -hmm. I won't quote it right, so I won't go into the whole story, but there's great stories about uh, chess matches and you have a set of masters, I forget what they're called, and then you just have the computer generated ones. The ones that always win the tournaments, you take the, the grandmasters, that's it. You mm -hmm. take the grandmasters with a little assist from AI, they're winning it every time. Yeah, because right? they'll do AI something unexpected or they can take context where no other context exists. You're not yeah. trying to make the AI as magic sort of thing that it's just able to work out everything no. for you they... we're honest about that to a fault and that hurts us sometimes <laughs> to be honest in the, in the selling process it probably pays <laughs> off in the in the after sale cycle i, I imagine absolutely um, i want to come back to this question of quantifiable roi because you actually said you can measure the dollars so what you're saying to customers we can't talk about it for very long today but you're saying yep. that you can say if you could improve the cmdb or if you could improve this we believe that you'd be able to attach this sort of dollar value to it now there's I'm sure this is a very detailed many hours discussion as to how to get that, but can you try and sum sure. it up in you know a minute or two? If you just do some A-B testing, right? So we're not going to come in and immediately 
have visibility or observability to every service, to every piece of telemetry in there. It's going to evolve over time as you're implementing more. And so you're doing those A-B tests of when, let's just take a service, when VIA has observability to the complete service versus it doesn't, what is my MTTR? What was my MTTR before mm. versus what is my MTTR now? Right. So you get some, honestly, some real quick quantifiable results just from kind of some A-B testing as you're implementing VIA across the, the whole service portfolio. Now, cynical me says there's two things here. One, you're justifying your product with that sort of feature. Two, if I bought your product, I'm justifying how clever I am for buying it. Absolutely. We like to give people raises. What I love hearing is even though you said dollar value before, you are not attempting to turn that into an actual dollar value, which always fails because how do you know what the value of my time is and how do you measure it effectively? What you're really doing is saying, listen, we can give you time. We can give you time savings. We can give you headcount savings. We can give you agility savings. And you guys can go figure out what that means dollar-wise. But yeah, most of I, us, as, as a I'm CIO... I'm going to argue with you about me, savings. I think you're not going to save money here. I think you're actually going to get more out of what you've yes, got for the same I, amount. I, I, I do you, think it's do more with less, which yeah. is what I said previously. It's right. take your existing infrastructure, take your existing environment, take your existing people and empower them to do more and better. And it's not, hey, I just got to reduce the size of my help desk or I reduce the number of tools in my environment. Yes, I agree. Yeah, that's right. I'll close on on this piece because I know this is probably a broader discussion, but you're absolutely right in the do more with less is what we see. We're not saying, oh, great, I'm going to fire 100 people. That's that's not what's happening, right? Mm -hmm. Those 100 people are doing higher value work. Now, we do have a few of our customers, you mentioned help desk, that tie this directly to customer care. They absolutely tie it directly because they see that VIA was the generator of, say, the incident that then caused them to go and say, cancel a bunch of technician visits. Like, I'll go back to an operator face in this time. You know, Bob's going to come out to your house and fix your cable modem. Well, Mm -hmm. that's really expensive and really annoying. We know what a truck roll is. We know what the cost of a trouble ticket is. So in that sense, again, it comes back to the customer being able to dictate what the actual cost is. You're not trying to do that on their behalf. You just give them the tools so that they can say, oh, I reduced my trouble ticketing by XYZ, which is a cost savings of PDQ. Definitely. And you know, you can tie that to uh, MPS scores and churn and all kinds Whatever of fun stuff want, as, right. as you get a little are. bit more softer in, in, the, in the quantification. We talked before about VIA being around for 20 plus years and doing this. So the, the product's got some history and some credibility around it. And I assume you've got a whole bunch of customer references that if people are listening and thinking, maybe I should find out some more about this. I guess the other question is scaling it. How big does this need to get? Or where is there a sweet spot for size? Or is it, you know, what would you tell customers about that sort of scaling issue? The first thing I would qualify ourselves out of some of them. We're not for the 10 person IT team that's looking to mm-hmm. assure one specific application or something like that. We built this from the start, looking at the hyperscalers and starting really in some of the global service providers. So we're talking about tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of events. And we're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of different metrics that we're uh, ingesting uh, on a daily basis here, because we have to be able to linearly scale. If we're going to go and tackle those domains, we have to be able to take the fault scale that we're going to see, but also we have to do telemetry what we believe is the right way. Right. We can't just take a time series, 
take a threshold crossing and ingest it back as a as an event. Right. We need to really look at that time series, sometimes over 13 months to look at seasonality and other things. So we've built this from the ground up for massive scale, and we've proven it in some of the largest, most complex networks in the world. So this is a whole of business function. This isn't going to be one silo putting this tool in. You need to think about this as a real strategy, as a whole strategic issue of putting something over the top of all your existing tool sets across all of your IT functions, on-prem, off-prem, applications, hardware, infrastructure, software, whatever it is, because you also integrate with things like Git and Jenkins. That's right. Yeah, so it's not just infrastructure, but it's also development. I mean, what I'm hearing really is this is a tool for very large, complex enterprises, whether they're service providers or hyperscalers or end-user enterprises that also have a reasonable amount of, and I'm going to say technical debt, but a reasonable amount of investment in the instrumentation and telemetry piece because your solution delivers greater value the more inputs it's got fed with. The more visibility we have, the more value you're going to have. And and look, we take that technical debt and we make it a, we find the nugget that's inside of it. We're going to make that person exactly. who made that investment choice look really smart when we're integrating it's, it with uh, all the other data sets. That's what I kind of see this as almost transform your technical debt into a an investment. Because even if it's a tool that's archaic and obsolete, if it's providing information and you can use that information, as you said, now you're making that person look like a genius. That's right. Absolutely. Well, on that note, unfortunately, we're running out of time for today's Heavy Strategy. Thanks very much to Chris Minier and Jonah Till-Johnson for joining us today. If you want to find out more about Vitria, go over to vitria.com. So it sounds like it sounds, Vitria, V-I-T-R-I-A.com. They've got a whole bunch of resources there. Particularly, there's a monthly newsletter where maybe you can start to get inside the head of the VIA product. And they've also got some various white papers that for you to look at. In Particularly, I take a look at the one called Service Assurance, where it talks about solving problems instead of triaging noise. I love the word triaging because that's actually a real life drowning in problems. And you can find links to all of those resources over on the website at packetpushes.net. There's a landing page there that goes with the show. If you head on over there, you can see all these links, look it up as heavy strategy, and then look for the show with Vitria. As always, you can find this and many more other fine free technical podcasts over at our community blog at packetpushes.net. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, find us on LinkedIn, like us on Facebook and rate us on the Apple podcast. And last but not least, remember that too much technology would never be enough.